so we're here with our head football coach, Mr. James Cozy III, here to unpack his stories and learn a little bit about him. So coach, if you could take us back to the Florida days, from Florida, right? Yes, sir, Miami, so, Florida. What was it like growing up there? Like I said, born and raised in Miami. I uh, went to a private school my entire life until my uh, last few years. My dad uh, wanted me to go to a public school face what he felt was gonna be better competition. Um, so uh, in a way, I kind of was out of my comfort zone. You know, I, and I grew up with guys since I was five years old, and then, I, and, uh, and then having to leave them after grade 10 was pretty, uh, a pretty big experience for me. You know, um, so going to public school, um, at the end of the day, probably was the best case scenario for me because it made me, I guess, become maybe a bigger recruit to go play football and baseball at Florida State University because in reality, if I would have stayed at that private school, I might not have gotten the recognition that I, recognition that I got, you know, later on in my high school career. So, uh, but, you know, since the age of five, I played all three sports and then it, I, didn't, I didn't stop doing that until I got to college. Uh, you know, I ended up playing football and baseball at Florida State, but my life was going from field to court to field from the age of five to the age of 18. And, uh, and I loved it. And, you know, that was just, again, something that, as a family, for my family, those are, had all those uncles and my dad, that was, those are all the things that, you know, I, I, if I would have done something else in that time, I would have thought something was wrong because that was just part of my life for the whole 13, 14 years. I've always wondered kind of what it's like. You said you had an uncle that played in the NFL yeah. and family. Yeah. And so was that grind for sports, was that shaped through your parents, through your uncles? Well, I mean, it was kind of like, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm eight years old and, and I'm, going to go watch my uncle play 10 for 10 big months and, and it was just something that we just did every Sunday. Uh, you know, and if he was at play at home, it was a three hour drive to go watch him play against Walter Payton, you know, nice. go, get, go watch him play against, you know, just some of the guys that we see as legends now, but I used to see them play against him, you know, every Sunday. Uh, so it was just, I don't, I don't my dad and my mom used to tell me they used to put balls in the cage in my, in my, uh, in my career at an early age. and. You know, it was just kind of athletics has been, has been in my family, and that, that's all we were, I felt that was all that we could do, or were able to do, uh, myself, my two sisters, it's just, you know, we weren't doing something athletically, then maybe one of us were sick or something like that, mm -hmm. but that was, that was our life. So that, that's, athletics has been a big part of your process, and I know, like you said, it's been a, a huge part of your routine, mm -hmm. part of your habits, and that actually builds off of what we were talking with Verity about in terms of finding routine and making it your own. Mm -hmm. So for us, where February is our month about building momentum, of course, how, how, would you, how have you found you've been able to build momentum, whether it's through athletics and, and obviously through the different transitional points in your life, uh, shaping you from you know transitioning from baseball to, to basketball and football and, and things like that. There is adjustments as you face different adversity. Absolutely. And, and how do you stay committed? And how do you go about finding those routines to, to keep you fully invested? Well, as, as I get older, you know, and, I, and, and realize some of the things that were put in place for me at a young age, even though that I was playing all those sports and, and going through right now, is just the structure. You know, having the ability to be able to structure everything that was going on in my life, and, and it just, it, just fit, it, fit, it felt right, it seemed right, and, I, and you know, I, when things like that go on, I mean, obviously if those things kind of fall into place, it's kind of like, well, the structure has allowed me, when I was growing up, and now, as a head football coach, it's one of the things I think I strive on is just making sure that everything is structured for you guys. And uh, I think that once you guys, you guys kind of have to feel, 
like everything was being done for a reason, but everything was an accountable thing. And I think that, you know, allows you guys to maybe, even though we do do a lot of things, but I think the ability to, you guys feel that we are structured, allows you guys to kind of pace your day, pace everything that you guys have to do, and makes it easier for you to do the things that I ask you guys to kind of do maybe on a daily basis. Very true. So in uh, the structure being a big part of your development as you were growing up, what was your biggest setback? What did you do when the structure, you know, collapsed? How did you handle all that? Well, I don't think I had any setbacks, to be completely honest with you, growing up. I mean, I was, you know, it was always a good day to be on the field. It was always a great day to, what I felt was get better. Um, probably the biggest setback that I had maybe was kind of later on in life. You know, I mean, I, as you go through all the success that you had and then maybe feel when you get to the NFL, you might not be as good as a Rondé Barber, or you might not be as good as a Donnie Abraham, and then you, you get released, you know? And, uh, you know, as a guy who was supposed to be like his uncle, who had played in the NFL for 10 or 12 years, and then wasn't all pro, and had the ability to go play in Pro Bowls, and then you're kind of supposed to be on that same path. And then, you know what, you get walked into the office, and Coach Dungey says, you know what, Coach, maybe you're not, maybe, you know what, Coach, you might not be as good as you thought, because he didn't tell me that per se, but that's what I felt after the conversation. And you're like sitting there, well, what's next? Uh, and you know, in reality, it took me 12 hours to realize what was next. You know, I always felt that, you know, I might not have been the most athletic guy, but for some strange reason, I was a two-year starter at Florida State, and I was a lot of it was because of the preparation that I had as a player, which ultimately led me to be a coach. And I was like, you know what, I'm done playing. What's next? Well, hell, if I can't play, coach. And uh, so, you know, after, you know, after kind of going through that 24-hour depression of not being the best defensive back to ever play NFL football, I realized that it was important for me to kind of put my, my efforts and my measures and start coaching. And I got an opportunity to coach at FIU. So my setback was a 24-hour period where I got cut from an NFL team, <laughs> you know, but uh, having, a, having the opportunity to go through a process like that and having the opportunity to be around some of the best players to ever play NFL football was a blessing. But at the time, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see it that way. So I think unpacking that, because that's huge, and I know that, that goes, that rings true in a lot of the conversations that we've had where people talk about facing adversity, and there, it is a window. It's right. a window where you, you know, you have to let the emotion mm -hmm. run its course, and whether it's 12 hours or, you know, 12 minutes mm -hmm. or 12 weeks, absolutely, there's a time that, the, that it has to run its course. But I think when you're talking about is the ability to, to let it do that and get back on your feet. So you know, talking about being resilient and things like that. So how, how do you stay committed? Obviously, you were you know you were projected and you were hoping and, and striving towards a goal. Uh, and and where structure has always been so important, you did everything that you felt to the T. And then sometimes things don't go the way you thought. Absolutely. How do you go about staying committed and then making that next step so that you know, 12 hours later you're ready to put your foot forward? It takes a lot of courage. Well, you, I, I kind of had to put all things in perspective. You know, it was kind of like my mom, my, my mom and my dad are the two most important people in my life, but they really, they, they put on the other side, like, well, James, nobody's gonna feel sorry for you that you had an opportunity to go to play a starting corner at Florida State. You had the opportunity to spend time with an NFL team. So in reality, who's gonna feel sorry for you? Uh, who's gonna feel sorry that you had an opportunity to get a free education? Who's gonna be, you know, so it was kind of like, well, I looked at it on the other side, it's like, you know what, I've had, I've had an amazing experience. And, uh, and it was just a simple fact that, you know, I, the ability to understand that I had to move on. Uh, and, and, and like I said, 
you know, for me, I was all up in arms and what was going on in my life, but the other 99.9% of the world was not going to be upset that I had that opportunity. So that's how I looked at it. And, I, and that was my way of putting it in perspective. Like, you know what? You know what? You're not, you might not be as good as those two people that you had mentioned earlier, but, you know, you're probably a lot better than the other people. So in reality, this was a silver lining to me. You know, uh, I could have went on and had multiple injuries and then maybe led the life that I might not be able to lead right now because, you know, the injuries and all that stuff that kind of that might have happened over an eight or nine year career. But, you know, the writing was on the wall. It was time for me to do something else uh, and not and not, have any, not have a pity party for myself, but just really just understanding that, you know, the time is over, which is no problem. That's part of it. And I didn't have any ability to move on. It wasn't really a hard difference. One way or the other, my mom and dad were the ones who kind of sat me down and really put it on me and said, look, nobody's going to feel bad for you. Just kind of figure out what's next for you. Looking to, I guess, pick that apart for people that maybe don't know you as well and haven't been around you coming in and essentially reshaping the, the foundation and the culture here, when you're changing, whether it's something in your life or and any change in general, I think you you know there is the shakeup, whether it's the emotion and the reaction to that response, and then that you know the next step and taking that forward. Um, my question to that is, do you do you try to look big picture, or do you really hone in on on, on what's going on to take that that next step? Because obviously, being committed, you have to have a uh, the ability to look at both. So when you're working with a football team, obviously you know the devil's in the details, so you have to have the specifics and the structure for everybody. But then you also have to look big picture. What are the guys looking for? Uh, you know, what are the what's lacking? What can we improve? And, and things about bringing stuff together. So whether it's personal or you know on an organization, what do you, how do you go about staying committed in that transitional period? Well, I think at the time, you know, this initially coming in. I had to look at both, to be honest with you. You know, you, even though you look at the big picture, that means when you look at the big picture, you're going to have a lot, maybe some outside influences that you might not want. But it's important to look at that because in reality, this is a program not just, it's St. Mary's University, it's not just here. You know, St. Mary's, and I've gone out and recruited across the country, St. Mary's is a very, very big community. Guys all the way in BC, all, you know, obviously from BC to here, it's kind of like, well, what are you guys missing? What do you think is lacking in the program? So part of that was, some of the things I had in place were, you know, part of that. But in reality, the biggest thing was looking at things within myself. You know, I was like, you know what, if I'm a player at this time, what do you think, what do I think those guys want? And uh, it was important to, at times, get things from individual players on the team, get some things that might have, might have been lacking. Uh, and, you know, so big picture, kind of getting a feel on what maybe the outsiders thought what was lacking. But in reality, truly, truly honing in on what the guys felt was lacking. And then going with that and also going within myself for what I thought if I was a player, what I would want if I was in this program. Kind of shifting the conversation a little bit. Yeah. I'm interested in uh, your research and leadership, yeah. how you came about to do that. <laughs> uh, maybe from football experiences, maybe growing up, but that and maybe how that affects your guiding belief or things that you value in your day to day. Well, you know, when you're working on your, everybody's like, why are you working on your PhD? Why are you on so with your PhD? And I was like, well, for one, it was a competition. Uh, and I and my family had a master's, so I had to outdo everybody. Uh, that was part of the reason why I started doing my PhD. And, uh, yes. So it was kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like my, mom, my sisters had their master's, my mom and dad, you know, especially, you know, in the 70s, they're receiving their master's when at that time that wasn't necessarily really, a, a, not even an opportunity, let alone the ability to do it. So it was kind of like, well, I received my master's in 2007. My sisters during that time were kind of in the middle of doing their masters. Like we all had masters, and I was like, well, you know what? I got to outdo 
all these educated people in my family. And I was, that was part of the reason why I started my PhD. And then as you kind of, you know, when you get to that, that realm, you know, it's more of a specialization of what you really want to do. Because when, when you have the opportunity to do your PhD, they allow you. There's like so many things. Like they give you a million things to do, but we only want you to pick one. So it was kind of like, well, I'm a head coach. I mean, I wanted to be a head coach uh, at that time. I was, you know, I was a coach. And daily, I was meeting with guys. Daily, you know, just talking to players. Daily, dealing with administrators. And it was, you know, it was kind of like, well, you know, I had, I had one of my players, a coach, you know. You know, I, I like the fact how you lead us. And I was like, well, for me, I'm not really necessarily leading you. I'm just kind of telling you what I think you guys should do. And he's like, coach, I'm like, That's, you're, you're leading us. And I was like, well, kind of think back and think a couple steps back. Like, you know what? Yeah, I guess I am leading this group. And, uh, and and that was kind of like, well, to me, it was kind of a full-on conclusion. Like, well, getting myself in the leadership opportunity. You're now being a head coach. You know, you're, you're, you're the face of a program or whatever the case may be. And, and everybody's kind of looking at me on how our guys act or how our guys go about campus and ultimately I thought it was like for me, I mean, if I'm going to be a head coach, the first and foremost thing I have to be is be a leader, someone that can be, that can lead by example and do the things that my, that I want my guys to necessarily do in the future. So I guess keeping it on that personal track mm -hmm. um, in terms of the balance and being a leader, on one hand you're leading a group of men mm -hmm. in, in, in a completely new environment to yeah. yourself and and, and to you know, creating a new environment here. On the other, you're a family man. Mm -hmm. And you know, you kind of have that interesting dynamic and, and mix where it's you have your family here, mm -hmm. your wife's family's not, mm -hmm. and your personal family's not mm -hmm. even in the country. Right. So how do you maintain your focus and how do you maintain that that leadership or that you know passionate role um, in all of them? Because whether it's getting spread too thin or being right. away, you know, there, there is a balance and, and how do you go about finding that? Well, for one, I always have to plan ahead. That's one thing. Um, secondly, you know, take care of the task at hand. All right, all right, you know, you try to, you know, you're a head coach and you have all these responsibilities that you have to do, but if you don't take care of that one responsibility, it's gonna affect the other 10 to 12 that you have to think, that you think you have to take care of. So in reality, you know, when it's recruiting, that's kind of what I'm focused on when I'm doing my recruiting. When it's getting ready to get a practice schedule done, well, I make sure I get that done before I tackle anything else. If it's outside obligations, I know I have to take care of them. I mean, I make sure that, in reality, just take care of each thing one at a time. Because if you don't, if you try to do three or four things, everything else gets shortened. So, you know, in reality, you know, obviously, you know, my, my wife and my, my son, you know, those are very, very important to me. And, and, and for me to be a head coach, I have to have an understanding wife. And she's, she's extremely understanding. But when I'm home, I'm home. You know, I don't necessarily take care of anything else except that. So, you know, just making sure that I take care of everything uh, single-handedly or, or just taking, making sure I do specifically just taking care of one task at a time is one of the best things. Because in the beginning, I was trying to do too many things, and I was, it was affecting some of the other things that were going on in my life. So, you know, for me, my focus would be just taking care of one thing at a time. And once you do it, put all your heart in it, and to get that done, get out the way, and necessarily move on to the next. What are, uh, would you say, I don't want to say top three, but I guess top three values that you have in life that kind of lead your behavior as you go through? For one, trust. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I've been around some very, very good people. And, and anytime I've dealt with them or talked to them, uh, you know, the, the one thing we talk about is being able to trust whoever you work with or whoever surrounds you. Um, second, the ability to love. I mean, you know, we're, we're in this macho, uh, macho uh, deal 
But, you know, as a head coach, if, if the players don't feel that you care about them, they ain't going to do it for you. You know, and, I, and that's just in general. Uh, you know, so I go with the trust. Yes, I go with the love. And, it's, and I, I, I'm, I'm a high-energy effort guy, and I, I would say that's probably my next thing. Just having, you know, I feel that our team feel that I'm, I'm going to always have their back. I'm always going to put my maximum effort. I'm always going to have energy to show them that, you know, hey, he's, he's my leader. I got to act like him or maybe necessarily not act like him. Try to emulate him. And, and, and those are the three things. Trust. The love and see, you know, just making sure that I'm always energetic. Not that nobody's ever going to see me down. It's a new day. It's a new hour. So whatever happened in the past, I'm going to move on and uh, just make sure I'm putting my, my best foot forward at all times. That I guess essentially the art of you being able to be in the moment is, is what it sounds like you're talking about and be able to compartmentalize. So whether it's you know one practice or you know going from recruiting uh, to the home life. What are some steps that you took to improve your ability to maybe compartmentalize? Because it's it's hard, and I think you know maybe it's a spectrum because you can't always be fully in the moment. And other days you'll you know some days will be better than others. But what are some of the steps that you take, whether it's day to day or overall, that you can work on? Well, I mean, every morning I write down what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so you know things that are that I have to make sure I take care of that day. Um, and you know, believe it or not, sometimes I don't get through it. So if I if I write something down, I'm supposed to get it done that day, and then I don't. Then that's actually whatever's left becomes. The first thing, the next day. Um, so, you know, I, I don't feel like I don't want to feel like I'm just talking out of both sides. But if I'm someone who's trying to learn how to compartmentalize and do all those things, try to tackle whatever you can, you can handle, um, and, and, and then you'll realize it as you go how much you can handle. Some people can handle a lot, some people can't. But you know, I always say try to do more as opposed to you know striving, striving for less. Um, so, but you know, as, as you continue to go, you'll see what you can be able to handle. You'll understand what you can be able to handle. But talk, take on as much as you can, and then scale back as you feel you need to. Looking back, I know a lot of people always say they're grateful for all the experiences they had and all the lessons. But do you have any suggestions for your younger self? Oh man, for me, it would be listen, listen more. Um, you don't know everything. Uh, you know, when people will talk to you, they're trying to help you. Uh, majority of the time um, and just and, and my younger 21 22 year old self be able to take criticism and, uh, and just but and, and realize that at times criticism is not because you don't think someone likes you it's just they're, 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 if, when they stop giving you criticism they stop trying to critique you I'm saying for what they're this is my voice